0: Welcome to the Opium Den. I'm Daniel Williams. Well, it's another Thursday night down here in beautiful southwest Florida. And I hope the weather, wherever you are, uh, is is nice as well. Of course, all my friends up north, they're not too happy today as it's been uh, pretty cold. Pretty cold up north. But down here in uh, southwest Florida, it was a stunningly beautiful today, beautiful day today mid 70s few clouds hardly any humidity just just a beautiful day so that was uh it's always nice we have a lot of days like that uh down here in the winter uh very boring but in the in the aspect of repetition but uh <clears throat> very beautiful nonetheless so tonight uh our got a couple of topics i want to talk to you about tonight and hope that you'll respond and uh, give us a call and tell us what you think about what we have to say tonight. Our phone number here inside the studio is 727-493-2205. And if you uh, are a Skyper, uh, my Skype ID is The New Libertarian, so you can call us on Skype. You can call us at 727 493 2205, or if you're on looking at my homepage there, the Opium Den, on the right hand side in the column, it says Email Daniel. So if you want to send us an email, you can do it that way, but we'd much prefer to have, have people call in and, and talk to us live. So we have two uh, two subjects tonight, and they're somewhat interrelated. One is the recent. Uh, ordinance passed in uh, Los Angeles to close uh, 160 uh, pot clubs, dispensaries, whatever whatever term you want to apply to them. But 160 clubs in the Los Angeles area are due for closing. That ordinance passed uh, nine to three in LA, and that's uh, that's one story. And the other story we're going to uh, Talk about tonight, which uh, was the subject of my uh, blog post today, uh intellectual dishonesty and uh, does it or does not does not exist in the medical marijuana movement. I believe it does, and I'm going to put forth my case, and I'm hoping that there'll be those in the listening audience tonight that will either support my view or more importantly oppose my view and give me a call at uh, 727-493-2205 and tell me what you think. So first off, let's talk about losing access to 160 medical marijuana dispensaries in the greater LA area. Now, granted, there are it's hard, it's, you know the articles that I read or the articles that I read, make it difficult to put, put a finger on the, uh, the real number of, of uh, dispensaries in Los Angeles, but the estimates vary anywhere from a low of uh, 800 to a high of around 1,000. So um, closing 160 clubs uh, would be 20 percent of the total of their, if there are 800 clubs and a smaller percentage if we have upwards of 1,000 clubs in Los Angeles. So let's just say there are 800 and they're going to close 160. Uh, That's 20% of the total and leaving uh, 640 uh, dispensaries uh, still in operation. Now I'm not all that familiar with Los Angeles but I uh, have been there several times it's a big city, but uh six hundred plus medical marijuana dispensaries uh, would seem to be a, a fairly representative number for the uh for the medical marijuana patients out there. but it's not a good sign that the state has a new a new avenue to pursue in their seemingly constant battle. Against the medical marijuana movement so and just for some background uh, numbers here, I, I did some research, and I wanted to know um, how many how many medical marijuana patients are there in the United States? Are there tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands millions? We have fourteen states now of the New Jersey is brand new, so uh, it'll be a while before we get to, get any real numbers in New Jersey so in my in my research to uh, to try to find out how many medical marijuana patients there were in the United States I found that that was like uh, difficult <laughs> uh, the uh, the fourteen states that we have thirteen actually in operation but uh, most of them have uh, little if any type of Uh, registration schemes so it's very difficult to uh, determine actually how many medical marijuana patients there are in California and all of the other states which doesn't uh, which doesn't surprise me only because the the laws and uh, the like in in all of these states uh, they're vague sometimes intentionally vague Um, and uh, not all that easy to conform to, even if you have uh, the best of uh, best of intentions. So, what I was able to find, I, you know, I looked up. I came to I came to a I came to a, uh, a website uh, procon.org, and uh, they seem to be glad I found this uh, this site. I was unaware of them prior to uh, this afternoon. But they seem to be pretty unbiased, level-headed, and put things out pretty straightforwardly and, and uh, source uh, almost everything that they say. So I, I, I kind of think they're a good site. But the estimates vary um, on, on how many uh, medical marijuana patients there are, uh, there are in the United States. We have, uh, back in uh, late 2007... Uh, Americans for Safe Access, ASA. Now, this is a group, uh, Americans for Safe Access, that don't have any other axe to grind other than medical marijuana. Uh, And we'll get into the uh, significance of that in just a bit. But the uh, Americans for Safe Access, uh, back in late 2007, estimated that there were 300,000 medical marijuana patients in the United States. And, uh, uh, more recent than that, in late 2008, about a year later, uh, Bruce Merkin, uh, who was the, at the time he was the director of communications for the Marijuana Policy Project. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Dinner. That's if you heard that little belch. I apologize if you did. Uh, Bruce Merkin, as I was speaking up, he was the he's the former director of communications for the Marijuana Policy Project back back in late. Uh, 2008, he was the director of communications, and he suggested that there were, in the uh, in the 12 states that he was able to uh, extract, uh, extract data from, he believed that there were approximately uh, 240,000 medical marijuana patients in the United States. So we have. Uh, uh, in 2007, guess of uh, 300,000, and 2008, a year later, uh, a lower guess by 20% of two, 240,000. Uh, and now, what's interesting is how the Marijuana Policy Project um, put this data together. And it was in such a way that they used uh, a lot of rhythms and uh, various uh, sampling and uh, You know, statistical makeups, almost like a little (laughs) climate gate uh, action going on here. But they uh, they took one state, I believe it was Oregon, and they figured out what the average was in Oregon, and they extrapolated that out to the other to the other areas. So that's not exactly uh, a real accurate way to do that. And I found that out by uh, by reading uh, something from uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Dang. Uh, He's an MPH substance abuse researcher at the uh, UCLA School of Public Health. And he, in March of 2009, just about, uh, not quite a year ago, he wrote that the methods employed uh, for this, uh, you know, statistical sampling, although they were, you know, the best attempts, uh, that they were faulty. And perhaps uh, the numbers were either a little bit lower or uh, conceivably a little bit higher. So, you know, the estimates run... Run the gamut here, but um, let's say that uh, three hundred thousand uh, is the right number, or if we want to give it a little bit uh little no let's let's go with three hundred thousand being the total number of medical marijuana patients in the United States um, so and it's, and it's my belief that there are some forty million uh Americans who will smoke pot for fun um, at least once uh, this year. So when you do the math, that means that uh, the medical marijuana patients represent uh, under less than 1% of total cannabis consumers. So I just wanted to kind of put that in context as we, as we continue to talk about uh, 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 medical marijuana and, and, the, uh, and the closure of these. Dispensaries in and around Los Angeles. But it's important to keep in mind that uh, the medical marijuana uh, patients are less than uh, 1% of the uh, total um, cannabis consumers out there. And I have said uh, on this show and on my blog and in my book and the lectures that I do on college campuses that I am a Complete supporter of cannabis being an effective medicine, so i don't want to get any more uh, emails uh, calling me a heartless prick for uh, you know suggesting that medical marijuana is not a, a, a valid issue. I believe it is a very valid issue and it is that belief that leads me to believe that uh, although it is a very valid issue, it is not the proper issue to move the drug policy debate forward. And uh, that leads into uh, into our intellectual dishonesty uh, tie into to the uh, pot shop closings in, in and around Los Angeles. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned ASA uh, specifically because they are probably One major organization, I'm sure there are a number of them are so fragmented and the like, but of the nationally known organizations that are specific and solely advocating for medical marijuana. Um, I've met uh, some of the people at ASA, and that is their total agenda. Uh, Medical marijuana is uh, is their cause, if it were to be available in all 50 states. I uh, I believe ASA would call it a day just uh, disc- declare mission accomplished and shut their organization down. But That's not going to be the case with uh, virtually every other drug policy reform uh, group out there, whether it's the Drug Policy Alliance, whether it is the marijuana policy project, whether it is normal. Um, and all the uh, uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, all of these organizations out there, um, they, they have expressed to me and, and to others that uh, they believe the, the end goal, the goal of all drug policy reform is to uh, repeal drug prohibition across the board and uh, institute... a uh, legal and controlled, a legal and uh, regulated market to control the sale and distribution of these substances, very similar to what we have now for alcohol and tobacco. So like I said, you can scratch nearly every drug policy reform leader out there and you will find uh, an advocate for repealing drug prohibition across the board. But yet we have this dichotomy in drug policy reform, is that the? Uh, it was decided, and I think "decided" is the right word. It was decided by the early uh, uh, folks in drug policy reform who have come to be uh, acknowledged as our as our leaders. You have Ethan Nadelman at the Drug Policy Alliance, uh, Keith Straub, uh, one founder, the founder of Normal, and up until 2006, it his. He was the executive director of NORML. Now it's Alan Saint Pierre, and you have um, Rob Campia, uh, Mister Hypersexualized himself, overrunning the uh, Marijuana Policy Project. So those three, those are the three main drug policy reform organizations out there, and each and every one of those leaders. Um, although Rob's tenure as leader uh, could be uh, <laughs> pretty short, but all three of these guys believe that repealing drug prohibition is the way to go. But yet they have chosen it as a group. They have decided. They decided back when, uh, whenever their little decision was taken, that the most uh, most successful or the most prudent way to go um, would be to. Uh, to advocate for, uh, for medical marijuana. Uh, I'm sure these, I'm sure these guys knew that this, that medical marijuana patients would ultimately represent, uh, the, uh, the almost statistically insignificant, uh, number of overall cannabis users. But, uh, they felt that the compassion angle, uh, treating it as a medicine, this was the best way to get, uh, to get their foot in the door as the expression has been used to me on, on several occasions. So they chose, uh, they chose medical marijuana and <clears throat> I've, I've been told that the reason one of the reasons they made that choice was that, uh, earlier efforts, uh, after between the seventies and, and the eighties and early nineties, uh, uh, efforts to, uh, to, uh, take on, uh, more, uh, more reform uh, just weren't uh, just weren't working. I don't believe that's actually true, but that's uh, that's part of their rationale for for uh, using medical marijuana as the uh, as the strategy as the primary strategy. They also say that, uh, or they have said, and even recently when I found it to be even less credible what they're saying, but they believe that. Um, Back in the uh, the mid '90s, when uh, drug policy reform was uh, was beginning to uh, take shape, our leadership uh, was was saddling up. Uh, <laughs> as it turns out, the Trojan horse. But we'll we'll get back to that. I hope so a little bit later. Uh, they were saddling up and 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 moving uh, moving forward in drug policy reform. So they believed that uh, in the uh, mid '90s, that the reason to go uh, the medical marijuana route, in addition to uh, you know the compassion that we should have as a nation for uh, those who uh, suffer uh, ailments and uh, other diseases, the rationale was that the American public, uh, our drug policy reform leaders. Believed the American public was uh, was not ready to have a discussion on uh, repealing drug prohibition across the board and creating this uh, legal framework, where they could develop a regulated market to uh, to control the sale and distribution of these substances. Now, that may uh, that may very well have been true back then, although I believe it to be. True to a lesser extent than those who tout it as a primary reason, but it's very difficult now to to maintain that position, and I say that because a uh, a, a recent Zogby poll found I think it's a, maybe four months old, five months at the at the outside, but uh, recent enough to be called recent. A recent Zogby poll sound found that. Seventy-six percent of Americans believe the drug war has failed. Not that it is failing, but that it has failed. Now it's been pointed out to me, and I will agree that probably there are a few uh, there are a few in that 76 percent who believe we are just not trying hard enough, but I think that uh, they are few and far between, because there's a uh, significant majority of that 76 percent who believe that fundamental change is not only needed but necessary in, uh, in drug policy reform. And a not too small percentage of those who believe the drug war has failed also believe that repealing drug prohibition across the board and creating this legal framework to control the, the sale and distribution of these substances is the, is the right way to go. So you have, that, you have that statistic out there. You have, you have the facts that, that uh, recreational drug use is now multigenerational, which probably is what supports the 76% number out there. Back in the area, in the good old days, I don't know how good they were. I ended up in handcuffs a couple of times. But back in the good old days, uh, it was very much an us-against-them scenario. Uh, the people who were you know, smoking pot and, and, and taking LSD, and those were the two primary drugs for, for some time inside the, uh, the counterculture movement. Those who were smoking pot and uh, taking LSD were a very small uh, percentage of people. So it was a very clearly an us-against-them scenario back there. Uh, you either were a hippie or you weren't, and there weren't that many hippies out there. But now we have, uh, over 40 years later, we have found that, uh, those folks who were getting high back in the early and mid sixties, uh, have children. And even some of them have grand grandchildren who, uh, who enjoy the, the recreational use of, of cannabis and, uh, you know, putting it, putting it bluntly are, uh, I mean, they're, they're living, uh, active lives, and, and to put it more bluntly, they're tired of being uh, hunted down like dogs. So recreational drug use has become multi-generational. Boomers, their children, and some of their grandchildren, as I mentioned, live uh, productive and active lives, and they just happen to uh, to enjoy cannabis. So that's part of the uh, the 76% of, of Americans. And it's not just uh, cannabis per se, although that's a a large part of it, but I think that that uh, that uh, fuels their belief that drug prohibition has not worked. Uh, they're uh, very aware of the lies and propaganda that surrounded um, LSD and marijuana. They may not be aware of them; uh, may not have been aware of them back in the early days. But after 40 years of uh, of hindsight and perspective, they have come to believe the. The government's position on drugs, uh, more often than not, is a uh, fabrication, if not an outright lie, and they have seen the the effects of drug prohibition uh, be more uh, more dangerous to society than the than the use of drugs themselves. So we have this, uh, you know, large constituent of the of the American public. Who, uh, who are ready to have this discussion. They may not have been ready back in the mid-90s. I'll give the uh, Ethan Nadelmans of the world credit for maybe being closer to the truth than not on that, but they can't use that excuse now. Uh, you cannot, in the, in the 40 years that I've been paying attention to drug policy, you cannot find anyone that does not have an opinion On drugs, the drug war, it is not something that you say, well, what do you think about uh, people doing drugs? Very rarely are you going to get somebody who goes, I don't really give a shit. Everybody has an opinion, and that opinion is moving forward to the idea, to a greater acceptance of the idea of getting drug prohibition off the books and uh, and, uh, creating a a legal framework for the... uh, to control, like I said, the sale and distribution uh, of these drugs. So why is it that the drug policy reform leaders aren't, uh, aren't changing with the times, so to speak? Why is it that we continue to um, use medical marijuana as our primary strategy to moving the drug debate forward? So listen, if, you, if anybody wants to give me a call and give me their opinion, uh, tell me if you think I'm crazy, tell me if you think I'm on the money, tell me if you think I'm uh, running around it, give me a call at 727-493-2205. And I going to give a shout out to a couple of my friends that I know are listening tonight. Uh, Luke out in uh, Oklahoma, I think is where Luke is tonight, uh, Brian Bennett up in Virginia, and a few of my other hardcore listeners tonight, uh, if you feel like it, give me a call, 727-493-2205. So what is it about the drug policy reform movement that, that has keeps them so fixated on, on medical marijuana when almost all of them believe that repealing drug prohibition is the uh, is the ultimate goal are we doing are we doing a, a disservice to the one point five million people who will be arrested this year uh, for drug possession with almost half of them probably half or maybe more being arrested for the simple possession of of marijuana and many of the arrests for uh, personal use uh, cocaine, personally used MDMA, even personal used uh, use methamphetamines. Many of these people arrested with these drugs, small quantities of the drugs, are nonviolent offenders. So you're going to have probably close to a million of the uh, of the of the uh, adult drug arrests this year uh, will be nonviolent uh, recreational drug users. So is it right for drug policy reform to turn their back on these individuals uh, to focus primarily, if not exclusively, on medical marijuana access? Um, I think that the, I think it's time uh, to make that change. I don't. I no longer. Not that I did very much, but I certainly don't believe today that our drug policy reform leaders. Are taking us in uh, in the right direction. It has been 14 years since Proposition 215 uh, legalized medicinal marijuana in California 14 years ago, and now we have just uh, just we just have our 14th state uh, approving uh, marijuana for medicinal purposes. That's an average of one state per year. And I know the drug policy people say, well, it's going to multiply. We're going to start getting four or five a year. But that's not happening. And uh, at this rate, if we don't improve our, uh, our uh, percentage, we're going, it's going to take us uh, 50 years or another 36 years just to get medical marijuana established as the law across uh, the land. So, um, great. but During all that time, we're going to continue to arrest uh, over a million people a year, throw them into the criminal justice system and impact almost to an individual, have a negative impact almost to an individual on what their uh, chances of a uh, more prosperous future will be once they've been um, arrested and uh, whether, or not even, whether or not convicted or not, just arrested and put into the system uh, for, for a drug offense. So I think it's I think it's 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 callous for our drug policy reform leaders to continue insisting that medical marijuana is the proper strategy to move the drug debate forward at the expense of over a million individuals a year. More people will be arrested for twi- almost three times as many people will be arrested this year for the simple possession of marijuana, more more often than not, for the regul for the for the, uh, recreational purposes, than the folks who are receiving medical marijuana in this country. It's uh, it's crazy. Three hundred thousand patients and eight hundred and fifty to nine hundred thousand arrests for the simple possession of marijuana. It just doesn't make sense to pick one group over the other. Why can't we be uh, Working in the drug policy reform arena to at the minimum at the minimum legalize marijuana as a as a as a commodity in our country, and that will take care of the medical aspect of it, and it will also reduce significantly the price because what you have now in california in the in the dispensaries you 're paying pretty much the same price. To buy it legally, as you're paying to buy it illegally, and the pretzel logic behind that is, well, if we actually sold it for for a uh, a lower price in the dispensaries, a more realistic price, uh, when you when you remove the uh, the prohibition tax that's built into a, a high end a high end pot, you should be able to be buying this stuff for you know. $100, hundred hundred and fifty dollars an ounce in the dispensaries, but yet they keep the price artificially high in the dispensaries to discourage medical marijuana patients from going into the dispensary, buying it for two hundred dollars, walking out to the dispensary and selling it for four hundred dollars or selling half of it for two hundred, and getting there half free so they 're still paying in under this under the, every scheme every medical marijuana scheme in the, uh, in the country, uh, those who can obtain uh, marijuana as a medicine legally are still basically paying the, uh, the prohibition tax because you're paying the same, you know, I'm, I'm paying the same price on the street as I am, uh, as I would be if I was a medical marijuana patient. Now, I'd certainly consider, I probably would still reject, but I would certainly consider, if I lived in California and I was paying uh, $400 an ounce for high-end, $500 an ounce, whatever, for high-end, hydroponically grown pot, I would consider uh, registering as a medical marijuana patient if I could buy that for a couple hundred bucks. But since there's no real difference between dispensary price or you know legal price and illegal price, I wouldn't want to... Uh, to go into a doctor and spend $200 to get a medical marijuana recommendation and, and go and, uh, and buy my pot legally. I guess there is, there is some factor, something to factor in for the peace of mind aspect of it, that if you're caught in possession, you would, uh, you would have your get out of jail card, get out of jail free card in the form of your medical marijuana card. But, uh, it's just uh, I think it's a, it's it's not working to see that we have uh, people paying the same price for legal pot that they're paying for for illegal pot. So I I, I would really like to uh, to see some clarity out of our uh, drug policy reform uh, groups and tell us what they think about. Uh, how we're going to move forward in uh, in drug policy? I have I have said often that okay, let's assume, and you know what assuming does it makes an ass of you and me. remember right, right, but let's just let's make the assumption that uh, marijuana is becomes legal in all fifty states for both for medicinal and personal use. Marijuana is legal in all fifty states. That's a great accomplishment and. Uh, I wouldn't uh, be the one to say it is not, but the problem, the problem that we will face, or at least the, the drug policy reform leaders, the problem they will face is what will they do next? What is the next move? Because remember, all of them, almost to a, to a person, believes repealing drug prohibition is the is the goal. So they're going to want to continue, they're going to want to further their goal. So once they have Marijuana uh, established as a, as a legal commodity in all 50 states. They're going to need uh, to move forward. And moving forward, I don't know any other way to, uh, to think about it, but they're going to need to champion a new drug. You know, what, what's next? What's the next drug or class of drugs that uh, drug policy reform leaders are going to champion? They've got marijuana done across the board. So uh, they don't want to retire, at least ostensibly. They tell us they don't want to retire; they want to keep fighting the good fight. Although some of these guys are getting, including myself, I guess, a little long in the tooth on this. So, the, the, continuing to fight the good fight, they got to pick a new drug or or a class of drugs. So, so what what will it be? Will they champion um, MDMA? Will they will they champion LSD and the psychedelics, or will they champion? opium and then and then its derivatives what what drug will they champion next and um, nobody has really given me a satisfactory nobody in drug policy reform that is has given uh, anything close to a satisfactory answer to that question and oftentimes I've thought that they haven't even thought about the question so what are we going to do here? Oops, I got an email coming in. And I'm trying to call but I keep getting that your call cannot become I don't completed a dial message. Well, Brian, uh if you're listening out there, um I should be able to uh, uh if you're calling uh, uh calling the number, I can it says, Can you call me here? No, I'm sorry, Brian. I can't uh I can't call I can't outbound uh well, yeah, maybe, maybe I can, what am I talking about? Let's get the old Skype button going here. And uh, I'll see if I can call you, Brian, because you're always, you're always welcome here. So let's go boom, boom, boom. Uh, almost said your phone number out loud. That wouldn't have been nice. So let's give you, let's give you a call here, Brian, if you're on the other end, here it comes. I like that Skype sound. Ringy dingy. Hello. Hello, Brian. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> well you could you couldn't get a you couldn't get a line in, huh?
1: Ah, it kept not giving me the uh, hey your call cannot be completed as dialed message.
0: Well that kind of sucks.
1: And for the record, right at the moment I am not high, I I'm not have a dial phone.
0: well i don't know if that makes any any difference or not but but uh but what the hell so let me get back to my i'm sorry man I'm, i'm just kind of flipping around here on a couple of things making sure that uh everything is still going out there um i got another one my phone number isn't working what the hell is going on here that's luke out there Luke wants to give me uh-huh. a call. Anyway, so obviously I'm having technical difficulties. No surprise there because I'm a complete fucking idiot. But what's uh, what's uh, have you been have you been listening, Brian, to what I've been saying? You want to jump in? Or you want to yeah, start?
1: absolutely. And uh, hey, once I gave the shout out, I couldn't help myself. It's uh, yeah, clear. Yeah, I got to call in.
0: Well, it's uh, you know, a shameless way for me to get my buddies to call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know we got a lot of better shit to do than try to change the world. Uh, well, well, I'm going to do that
0: right now. I'm going to, I'm going to let, you, uh, let you talk for a second because I'm going to light up a ball
1: here. Okay, you know, you're making me jealous because now I've got a gab instead of light my own. Well, that's all uh, right. You know, we'll take the turns. Bottom, bo- the bottom line at it is really clear. You are absolutely correct. Uh, we have to get it through the, the, the heads of the quote-unquote leaders and more importantly perhaps get it through the heads of our fellow reformers that our time is here. Everything that we need is in place except for the balls to pull the trigger. <laughs> So, I don't know what the hell it's going to Excuse me. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I guess I'm not over that
0: flu as much as I thought I was. Like, was
1: Go this, ahead. Uh, cheap-ass Mexican
0: or something? <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this is cheap-ass Mexican. <laughs> a pox on your house, Brian Bennett. No, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is the best hydroponic shit you're going, to, you're going to find.
1: Okay, no problem. Too big of a hit. Take smaller hits, man. Well, I
0: guess so. Go ahead. Uh,
1: anyway, uh, yeah, you, you and I have both been railing about this for quite some time. Uh, It it seems that we're picking up some more interest in the whole notion that we do have our ducks in line if we just play our cards. And I'm convinced after a a decade, basically, of trying to convince the quote-unquote leaders that they really need to up their game, fuck them. They're useless. They're irrelevant. The way we're going to get this done is person-to-person, house-to-house, It it truly is something that clearly can be accomplished and needs to be accomplished on so many different, uh, well, for so many different reasons, Uh, not the least of which is the fact that, you know, regardless of what they do with this medical marijuana bullshit, you're still going to end up with a boatload of people in jail. Okay, well, why are we arresting people and throwing them in jail for smoking fucking plants? You know, come on. That's the question you need to ask people. Don't ask them whether or not they think medical marijuana should be available to people, blah, blah, blah. Say, what would you rather do, spend money on jobs or throwing people in jail because they like the wrong kind of plant on fire and inhale it?
0: Well, I think, that a lo- I think that a lot of people that you asked that are going to respond in exactly the way we think they're going to respond. They're going to think it's crazy.
1: Yeah, so because I- it is crazy. It is demonstratively crazy. It, it, it's beyond question and then really that's the whole reason I've been doing all the work I've been doing
0: so so to to go along your line of thought there or my line of thought if people really do believe this then it's the fault of our drug policy reform leaders for not capitalizing on on the uh, the greater awareness that people have out there I mean I don't th- I don't think that we have to do that big of a sales job anymore um, yeah, at yeah. least not and, as big as it used to be. I just don't think our leaders are out there selling it, you know, making the points that these people can that – can, that they can rally behind. I mean, marijuana, medical marijuana is a pretty safe bet, don't you think?
1: Well, the leaders aren't leaders. You know, they're, they're, they're politicians. They're bureaucrats. They, they act just like the jackasses in Washington. Well, how do we get yeah. rid of them, man,
0: short of, you know, kidnapping them? Well, we them don't
1: actually have to get rid of them. I mean, the whole idea might not be that we have to have some kind of a bloodless coup, although, God, I would love it. I'd like to have a couple of million dollars to do work to get this shit done. You know, and, th- and
0: think of all the interns we could bang.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like Rob Campia. And then just write it off. I'm a married guy. Yeah, and- yeah we're just hyper I, I
1: mean, for Christ's sake, you're a retard, Rob. You are a fucking retard. Step aside. Nice yeah, guy, get,
0: the- get the fuck out of the way, Campia.
1: They're all in the way. They're all in the way. I he doesn't, he doesn't want
0: to step down because he knows he'll never get any, any more pussy if he doesn't have an organization and subordinates to cower.
1: Well, frankly, I don't see how these guys are going to get jobs. I mean, what, what are you going to do on your resume? Like Keith All right, what did I do? Well, I spent 30 years trying to make marijuana legal. I, I didn't win, uh, so I retired. I mean, is that what they're going to do? Uh, what else are you going to do? Campina could do
0: probably do porn with
1: Tiger. <laughs> 2 well,
0: hypersexualized guys.
1: Well, I think that's pretty damn funny, and at some point in time, we could probably just sit around on the beach smoking and, and joking about that kind of crap. At the moment, let's focus on lighting the fire under the asses of our fellows out there.
0: Well, you so, know what? You
1: are correct, but like, lay off a rob, fuck him. He's irrelevant. He's irrelevant.
0: You know, I, I, I'm on Facebook, you know, sometimes to, to my detriment. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's crazy, but it helps, to, it helps a little marketing for the show and all that kind of stuff. But 99.9, I don't know if you do it or not, but 99.9% of every mention of drugs on Facebook is medical marijuana. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's not, it's like everybody's kind of drank the, the same Kool-Aid. How do, I mean, if we can get to them, I mean, is that is that kind of who you're, what you're talking about? I mean, it's, yeah. it's frightening yeah, it that there's, that that's all, it's all medical marijuana. And I'm telling you, a pretty good percentage of these people are illiterate. I mean, you read their shit; it's like, oh man, how do I yeah, hit the they're, hide they're, button? But they're all. But the point is, they're all behind the medical marijuana thing. How do how do we get them to enlarge their vision?
1: Well, perhaps it would be wise to not include some of those folks, but the ones that are a little bit more coherent and articulate, perhaps we would want to attract to our side. And to get to them, it basically boils down to the same thing that you had to do and that I had to do. It's just a question of overwhelming evidence. and it takes so much work and so much time to really dig into all of this shit, to really understand it because it's such a big and wide-ranging problem. So one of the things that's important, obviously, is to get the message out of it in as many different ways as we can that hey, you know what? while these guys are out there getting press, trumpeting their quote unquote successes, in creating, a, you know, oh boy, we've got another medical marijuana state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Uh, how does that help the uh, record number of people who are arrested for marijuana possession every year? <laughs> that's, that's not really helping them, is it? You know, like I'm really glad that there's somebody out there that gets to have a medical marijuana card and go buy marijuana, and good God, I wish I could go do that. But that's not the way to victory, you know, and, and they're not getting it through their heads that this is a sham. Not from the sense of, like, whether or not marijuana has medical efficacy for people. It does. No question. But it's a sham in terms of using that as some kind of a a political approach to gain uh, the upper hand in this debate and finally push the whole wall over. Bullshit. It's not going to work, man. If it was going to work, then why don't you go out there and champion moving cocaine from Schedule 2 to Schedule 3? Because basically that's what you're after with medical marijuana. Ultimately, if you had medical marijuana at the federal level, it would be moving it from Schedule One to Schedule Two, and if you were really lucky, Schedule Three.
0: Well, don't, okay, don't so, so but don't what's you it? think don't you think that as a part of this mix, we I mean what's what's really missing I mean we have maybe not a real uh, cohesive message out there. We have got a lot of foot soldiers out there that you know at the very minimum think pot should be should be legal. But, yeah. but the component that I think is missing is, is is a is a national politician, willing to to champion this uh, this position, and and be able to get on on the MSNBCs and the Fox Newses, and 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 speak about uh, you know make that his or her central issue. I don't. I think without that political component, we are fucked.
1: That, that's a, a large part of it, but you have to remember what motivates political people. What motivates political people is not out there championing causes that they can't uh, immediately get a payback out of. Right now, like health care, <laughs> it's, it's too dangerous to say that out loud. You're not going to get anywhere because the the, uh, the groundwork has not been laid, and that's the failure of the reform organization, quote unquote, leaders. Their job is basically to educate the public and lay the framework to make it possible for the politicians to come out there and say, oh, holy shit, we got all these people out there saying this. It's time for me to wake up and pay attention. That's why what LEAP is doing is so important. They're talking to the people who contribute to the people with political power. They're creating the framework in which it becomes possible to get the message from the people, the voters, up to the politicians by making it safe for them to listen to hear, to believe, and to act. Yeah, but you know, I I, I
0: think I think that's you know that's 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 pretty spot on. But I also you know when I hear that argument as as well as, as it's made by by you and, and others, I got to look back to the 2008 presidential election. Ron okay. Paul had absolutely no chance of winning the Republican nomination, but right. yet I was traveling around the country because I was doing the, the libertarian thing. Plus, I was speaking, so I spoke to a lot of, you know, Ron Paul uh, supporters, and, and most of them were young, which meant they were getting involved in politics for the first time. But there was a lot of passion, and they all knew that he didn't have a prayer. But he raised $37 million on two primary issues. One was bringing all, all of our troops home from across the globe, not just uh, the Middle East, which is, a, which is a natural for young people because most of them – you know, a pacifist war is not a good idea. That type of thing, especially at a, at a younger age. And a lot of them keep that. But the other, the other issue that was that was as important, if not more important, was he was going to end drug prohibition. And he didn't make a big deal of it. He said, "I'll just, you know, take it out of the federal level and give it give it back to the states." So this guy raised thirty-seven million dollars. I, I got to think that there's a there's a politician out there, Democrat or hopefully Republican that just doesn't you know, see the merit in making that a cause because I believe that they would not be you know, vilified by the press or vilified by their party. They would be able to actually bring some, uh, you know, just raise the level of, of the debate. I, I just think without that political component, it's not gonna happen.
1: Well, that's the last step, obviously, because it's the laws that have to be gotten rid of and that's a political process. And what you're saying about Ron Paul is entirely correct. However, you have to put that within the overall terms of what the society is going through and what people view as important. The problem right now is that drug use and drug abuse in America is actually not a problem. It's not really on the people's radar. They don't really get impacted by it on a day-to-day basis, period. It is not a big problem in America. So in order to escalate that to the level where gets the political attention that would make it possible to achieve our goals, either they have to become so tyrannical that the average person is impacted so negatively they can't stand it anymore, or uh, we take a different tack, we change what the hell we're doing, and we start approaching it from different vectors that can connect with the average person. And things that they care about tie it back to the drug war, because the drug war ties into everything, there's no doubt about it. You just have to figure out what motivates them and tie that in and say, hey, you know what, you are correct, and that would be a good idea, and we could get funding for it, perhaps if we stopped doing something stupid like the drug war. There's rent. And you convince them that, hey, look, you know, instead of, of just going after whatever your problem is, figure out that you could benefit greatly by freeing up this money that we're wasting doing this other shit. Basically, we just have to get the attention of the average American and educate them to the extent that they're willing to join in the
0: chorus. And well, end. but see, that's that's it's where I keep that's where I keep thinking it's 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 you know say to join the chorus. I think the chorus is already out there. I just think they're they're nah. lacking they're lacking a, a band director or a or or the the head of the chorus. They're just lacking yeah, someone to I mean, lead them in song. Components. And that's and that's where components. I think the political component is. I think if we had a politician that who would who would uh, read the tea leaves correctly and make this an issue, and there, you know, it could go about it in a step process, but definitely make it, uh, make it known that uh, marijuana should be legal and the prohibition of other drugs should be repealed and looked at in a way to do things down the road. I don't think there would be a political downside for a politician that would do that.
1: You're confusing
0: politician with leader. Well, a leader who happens to be a politician.
1: A leader who is able to influence political events, yes. That would happen, yes. But that person is not visible.
0: You know, remember Gary Johnson, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, he's got a new thing. Uh, he's, he, he, wants to, he wants to be a, a, on the 2012 Republican uh, ticket, and so he's going to run for the nomination for president in 2012. But what's, what's disappointing about this guy is when I heard that, I thought, well, that's kind of cool. But I went to his website, and he has changed, has modified his position on drug prohibition pretty dramatically. Obviously, to, to to fit into what he's trying to do, which makes makes him seem like a sellout to me. He was at one time he was for repealing drug prohibition across the board, common sense, blah blah blah. Now he is only supporting the legalization of marijuana and suggesting that all the other drugs remain illegal.
1: Yeah, a leader has become a politician. Yeah. That's- Problem. You know, leadership sounds good, but in our society, it doesn't work real well. You know, there are too many powers and influencers that are going to try to circumvent it in various ways. And they're still convinced that, and, and within drug law reform, you have to admit that a lot of people will say, sure, I don't see a problem with legalizing pot, but oh, the rest of that stuff, oh, no, man, we can't let that loose on society. So that's the exact same problem. The people who are interested in reforming the drug laws will not take the step that's required to do the job. They're content to say, oh, well, we can legalize marijuana, but hey, those other drugs are too bad and too crazy and too dangerous. That's the problem. So within our uh, uh, areas of direct influence, which is other drug law reformers, we have to convince every single one of them that, look, Either get on the fucking bus or shut the fuck up. Put together a coherent message, continue to gain numbers, approach the politicians like Gary Johnson and tell him, look, dude, we have everything we need to prove this. Are you a man or are you a mouse? Are you going to lead? Are you going to do the right thing? Or are you going to play political bullshit and let hundreds of thousands of people suffer by being arrested and having their lives destroyed no, over not just marijuana, but these other drugs too.
0: Well, I think he's already made that political political calculation by stepping back from his.
1: Uh, yeah, so he deserves to lose. Fuck him! Fuck yeah. him! He's not a leader. He's another fucking pandering politician. He's trying to take the easy way out by saying the things he thinks are safe. We don't need people to say safe things right now. Yeah, 'cause it's, it's, the, the people that yeah, it's
0: not keeping us safe.
1: <laughs> not even close. Our entire society is in danger. Not of of being, like, overrun by the terrorists or, or the druggies, but by economic collapse caused by political pandering. These assholes need to be held accountable. They need to wake up. We need to jettison these fuckers and really stand behind leaders. So a more pertinent question, perhaps, would be what the fuck is wrong with the American electorate that they won't stand up behind a real leader? If a leader comes along and says, this is what we've got to do, I know it sucks, it really fucking sucks, it's going to be hard, a lot of people are going to be impacted negatively, but we have to do this because when we're done, this is what will happen. They're not going to say that. They don't want to say anything bad to anybody. Ooh, bad news. You're, well, you're not going to get reelected. You told me bad news. Get the fuck out of here. You know, our entire society is diseased. We don't have intellect ruling the day. And I don't know how the hell to make the politicians do that other than to make it happen amongst the people. And, yeah, there's tremendous opportunity for that to happen because more and more people are catching on. So let's keep pushing all of this shit down their throats until they start puking it back up again. <laughs> this entire fucking thing has to go. That's the only logical way to accomplish all of the stuff that needs to be accomplished to get rid of all of the negative impacts of what the hell is going on.
0: Do you, do you think that do you think it's 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 possible i mean i know this is going to sound pretty pollyannish and the like but do you think it's actually possible that like with this you know this upheaval with rob campia and mpp and everybody you know running after his money from peter lewis and willing to cast him to the curb but do you, do you think it's possible that that Ethan Nadelman and uh, Alan Saint Pierre uh, will, will have an epiphany and 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 go for a, a, a larger position, uh, the advocate you know advocating repeal. Do you think there's even the remotest possibility that they could, you know, get religion in that respect and and uh, and, and change their minds? Different approach.
1: Sadly enough, for a variety of reasons, I do not. I don't believe that they have any, any real leadership qualities and I've become convinced that they're only interested in saving their own jobs and they don't really give a shit. And more importantly, all of us in drug law reform have to come to the conclusion that they really don't matter. They fucking don't matter. DPA has not accomplished anything. And yeah, show me a list of what DPA has accomplished. Show me a list of what normal has accomplished. Show me a list of what MPP has actually accomplished. Now, they claim they accomplish all kinds of shit, but I know for a fact that they're just taking credit in a lot of cases for things that have happened uh, as a result of other people doing the work. And the increase that they can claim are fucking useless. Oh, boy. Now, New Jersey, where I'm from, is a medical marijuana state. Well, I live in Virginia. Guess what? even if I had a prescription for medical marijuana if I had a job where I got drug tested and I got up to New Jersey and said hey I really need medical marijuana and I got it I would lose my job so what the fuck good is medical marijuana doing for me what the fuck good is that doing for anybody They say, well don't you have compassion for people you hear it and I hear it too because you know we say we're politically incorrect and we say things that people ought to start saying it's like it's not a question of like punching these poor people that have these medical problems the issue is Everybody can get pot. Medical requirements for pot can be solved the same way as recreational requirements for pot. Know somebody. Go buy some weed. What the fuck? Nobody's keeping marijuana away from people who benefit from it medically. They're keeping it away from us all. So handing it off to a small minority of people is not helping the rest of the people who really need to be left alone. You know. It's mind-boggling to me, and and maybe it's just because I've been doing this for too long. <clears throat> and it looks too fucking blatantly obvious because once you've read, I don't know like ten or fifteen thousand different <laughs> <abortion clears throat> shit, just <clears throat> like, you know what? Holy fuck, you know the picture becomes quite clear. and it's it's infuriating to me that other people are not catching on to that and they want to keep on playing these political pussyfoot games. Like, Jesus, fucking Christ, man.' It's like well, if if you were around back during the Civil War, would you advocate for freeing up one slave house at a time? Well, look what we did this year, man. We got those seven people out of fucking slavery. Isn't that great? At this rate, we'll be done by, oh, I don't know, thirty fifty six. It's the same thing. We have every goddamn thing we need. All of the, go- the government's data clearly points out that. We've got facts. everything
0: we need but that politician, that leader politician. That's what I'll do it, doing but that. nobody gives
1: a shit. <laughs> 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 I mean, hell, the way I really started off was I, I ran for president in 2000. Nobody gave a shit. and It wasn't like a serious thing where I was out there getting attention. But what, what cracked me up is I, I put my website together basically as my campaign site, and people in seven different states voted for me. Like, holy shit. Okay, so yeah, there's, there, there are people out there that, that will resonate to the correct message, but the way the political machinery works in America, there's no way that somebody at a high level like that is going to stick their neck out out of the blue and say, hey, you know what, we've got to stop doing this. We need an Abraham Lincoln. We need a Thomas Jefferson. I mean, what the fuck? And those people are not on the political horizon. Even Gary Johnson let everybody down. Obama let everybody down. Ethan Nadelman continuously lets everybody down. He says all kinds of great fire and brimstone shit. But when it comes time to pull the trigger, what is DPA saying? Oh, well, we believe in being compassionate, so we're trying to get some needles for people in North. Oh, well, boy. But,
0: they also, but yeah, and they, and they also say, you know, this is a long slog and be patient. Oh, no, pa- This slog well, been going
1: on since the 1800s. Yeah, timeout, game over, dudes. Jesus fucking Christ, what are you waiting for? How much longer do you have to let this continue? How many more people have to die? How many more people have to get arrested? How much more money has to be shit away? How much more of your personal freedom has to be stolen from you in the name of catching people who aren't doing jack shit Okay, Okay,
0: Brian, calm down, brother. You're going you're gonna to pop something.
1: Uh, actually, I can like, do this without getting worked up about it. You know, it sounds like I'm really pissed off. It's like this is just my normal way of talking about this because it's that crazy. Like what the hell? I, I don't know how to make it more clear to people, and so just yeah, see, I just continue. to see it.
0: There's the fundamental difference I have. When you say you don't, when you say make it more clear to what people, the average average but, American or the, the, the leadership? Person.
1: The average person first. I think, the leader, first I think they're I think
0: they're with leadership. us, Brian. I I think that they're, you know, there's there's a there's a pretty core pretty big constituency out there that's with us. I mean, no questions oh, yeah, asked. I, and, there's, you know, there's a, probably almost an equally as large constituency out there that's, like, leaning our way and just, you know, want to believe and won't require that much effort to, to move them into the wind column. But I think we already got the people out there on our side.
2: Only on
1: top. Well, I don't know. You read the damn boards, man. You, you know what these people are saying. Well, I think... They only believe it for pot. If pot got legalized, 90% of the people that are out there saying, oh, yeah, we need to fight, would disappear. They wouldn't give a shit anymore. For them, it's not about ending the tyranny of drug war. It's about making it possible to smoke pot without getting arrested. They don't give a fuck about anybody else.
0: Well, sadly, that's probably more true than it should be,
1: but... Yeah. Yeah. And the only way to change that is to do stuff like what you do. Well, then do but we, like but we have I to do. tell
0: them, we have to tell these pot-only people that the risk they run in being a pot-only person is that if pot is legalized and the crime gets worse, they'll look at recriminalizing pot. Totally. So maybe we need to get our stoners to think a little bit more about just wanting to be stoners, because well, it. it, it stoners well, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not true, man. I t- I know. I know. I'm a stoner. I know. Well, I know a lot. Well, we, neither one of us how a fucking think. That's why we do radio. <laughs> but a lot of stoners are pretty thoughtful poke, and, But you know, we've oh. got our we've got our, our ones that uh, you know the caricatures and and the, and the like. But most stoners are pretty cool.
1: And speaking I try to get of, people to understand the, the, the bigger picture by saying things like, okay, you know, let's say pot's legal, okay? Does that help stop, uh, oops, cops raided the wrong house, killed some people, no drugs were found? No. No, it doesn't change that. Oops, it could be you. You're, getting, you're sitting in your house smoking dope, and somebody put in an anonymous tip in about uh, crack sales going on at your address. If they got the address wrong. They
0: kick in your fucking door and kill you. Right, and, especially the, the the greatest the greater irony would be if they if they killed you while you were smoking your
1: illegal pot. That, that would be priceless. <laughs> I mean, I mean, especially if they got it on video, you know, like you're on cops. All right, fellow cops, here we go. Oh shit! Oh
0: hell! He was just smoking pot. Oh what a shame. Okay, Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Give, cut cut, cut, it, cut you off, brother. No problem, brother. No, i gotta, I got to give another guy, i got to give Luke a call, and I don't want to keep sticking quarters in the wave streaming machine. So I Not appreciate you. i got to figure out why the hell you couldn't get in, uh, couldn't make the call in. So
1: Yes, please fix those technical issues. It's very annoying.
0: I know, man. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> so thanks for, uh, thanks for visiting tonight, and uh, My pleasure. I'll catch you next time.
1: Hey, we'll make it work, man. we just keep at it. I know. It's
0: just infuriating, isn't it? That's why, that's why I smoke weed, brother.
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All right, Daniel, take
1: care. See you. Bye-bye. All
0: right, bye. Okay, Brian. Always always good for a good rant. I like Brian. Okay, let's call. Uh, let's give Luke a call if you're still out there, Luke. <laughs> I've been promising you now for a while. But let's see here. Uh, there you go. 420 Luke coming right up 420 and Luke is uh, 5853 see if you're still in Oklahoma I gotta find out what's wrong with this now. whoa invalid phone number Luke let's see here that's uh, well, my mistake I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay, let's start over again. (laughs) Okay, 420, Luke. Ah, Ah, it's working. Having some technical difficulties tonight. This kinda sucks. Let's see what Luke's up to out in Oklahoma. Hello.
1: Please state your name after the tone, and Google Voice will try to reach.
0: <laughs> I can't stand that I get, a, I get a voicemail. Luke, you old dog, I apologize for, oh, now what the hell? It's ringing again. Luke, did you call forward this or something? Well?
1: Hello, this is Luke.
0: Well, hello, Luke. Hey. This is Dan. I got It was weird. I called the number and I got your voicemail or something. Did you have your call forwarded or something?
2: Oh, no. That's one of the features of the Google Voice number, which is my special number, which is... Uh, 420 Luke. Yeah, 420 Luke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a killer number. So I, it, was, it was just, just kind of weird. I yeah. got, uh, so that's your Google thing, huh?
2: Yeah, I forgot about that. I actually was just giving you my direct line.
0: So what's yeah. going on in Oklahoma, Luke? I
2: well, there's a whole lot of ice here. And, uh, it's supposed to be a lot worse than this, but it looks like the ice is starting to drop off. We've got about 50 uh, Kansas City power and light trucks sitting here in the hotel parking lot. But
0: Whoa, is it like an ice storm or something?
2: Yeah. Earlier in the week, they were saying we should get up to five inches of ice, but right now it doesn't look like it's going to be that bad. Well,
0: yeah. Three inches. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sign me up for that <laughs> fucking game. So how long you been yeah. in Oklahoma?
2: I got down here... Monday and I'm supposed to leave tomorrow.
0: But that's tentative, right? What's that? I said that's tentative. Or or exactly, they were to be canceled, cancel some of the
2: flights
0: for tomorrow. Wow, that sucks. So tell me <laughs> Yeah, but Yeah, are you talking into your computer or onto your phone?
2: I'm on my phone. I'm, trying, I'm in the hotel lobby. I'm trying to find a place where they're not playing music at the speakers.
0: Oh, I, I, can, I can hear you fine. I don't know how you can hear me, but you're, you seem to be coming through pretty clear. So, okay. So tell me, what, tell me what's going on for the uh, convention, the uh, Libertarian Convention. Uh, next. Libertarian to the
2: Libertarian Party of Ohio Convention is going to be held April 9th through 11th. At the Double Tree in Columbus, Worthington, which is where Ohio, we held it in 2008. Yes, which is where we held it in 2008, and I believe you attended, and we had several other uh, presidential candidates for the Libertarian Party.
0: It was uh, quite the nice. So it was quite the had. nice do. <laughs>
2: it was. It's a very nice hotel, and uh, the staff is excellent to work with.
0: Well, plus you guys put, Kevin put together a a pretty decent uh, convention. So now that you're completely, you're completely in charge. uh, Where, where, where are the, where are those standards going to go, brother? Where are those standards going to go?
2: (laughs) Hopefully up.
0: I believe they will. Thank
2: you, Kevin. He did, but you know, every year we have to improve.
0: I've got full confidence in you, man. Are you gonna Are you gonna invite the Kentucky folks, cash or officially or unofficially, absolutely. or? Pardon me.
2: I uh, will absolutely invite anyone from Kentucky.
0: Yeah.
2: I know Ken down there, and he's a good guy.
0: Ken's a hell of a guy. Yep.
2: He is. And uh, that reminds me, speaking to Kevin, um, he I told him I was about to go on your show. He said to tell you hi and that you're a great guy.
0: Well, thanks. Right, right back at Kevin. Is he, is he st- uh, I'm, I'm assuming Kevin is still very, uh, very strongly supportive of Wayne?
2: Um, yes, I think he is, but I'm not going to say anything officially. But No, but he, know, was,
0: he, was, he was quite, uh, he, you know, he, he was pretty heavily into Wayne's camp and he, he made good sense back in Denver as to why. I am just curious, probably thought that he was still uh, in, uh, in Wayne's corner.
2: Yeah, Kevin but Kevin's all about uh growing the Ohio Party and growing the, the national party in general with all the states and uh he's put countless hours in and that's one of the reasons I took over the convention was he was just he's he's doing so much for our party, he can't do it all. And well how how
0: I, how much has it grown eight, since eight, Denver?
2: Uh, we've had I don't know. We've had a lot of people, a lot of new people join. We've got most or all of our director positions filled. And we have, I don't know, 40 or 50 candidates probably on the ballot this year. and we're looking Really? More. Yeah.
0: Now, do you have any, any, uh, any, any state uh, senators running as libertarians in Ohio?
2: I know of at least one person who's running in the primary. There might be two people. So we will have a candidate for state senator. We also have a candidate for uh, governor and lieutenant governor.
0: That's excellent.
2: And I believe he's an auditor. I think we're still looking for treasurer and um, secretary of state and attorney general.
0: So you you say uh, 50 candidates will be on the ballots this year?
2: Approximately, yeah. That's really good.
0: That's good work. And The filing headline
2: hasn't passed yet, so we'll, we'll see. But I think it's going to be great.
0: Now, is that, in due, is that due in large part to Kevin's recruiting, or are these things like, you know, mushrooms in a, in a cow pasture after a heavy rain, just these candidates are popping up everywhere, or is there some kind of coordinated effort that Kevin's working to put these people on the ballot? Um, I would say it's
2: in large part due to Kevin's managing. He's put uh, multiple directors in place. We've got political director, finance, communications, IT. Um, there's others, but they're going to kick me if I don't mention them. But we've got multiple people in place, and we have a team together that we can work together with. And I think that's a big point and something that I hope other states will recognize and, and start doing.
0: Well, it is huge to have a cohesive team. It's, it's, it's huge. How do, you, how do you think Kevin's organization rates to other state uh, organizations in the country? Is he, is he on the top of the curve?
2: Absolutely. And um, I know Wayne has said Ohio is one of the best-run states in the nation, and I would absolutely agree with that statement. Um, what Kevin's brought to the table is is amazing and I haven't researched other states enough to know but I know at least in our region we're probably one of the top if not the top state
0: that's great you know Florida had Florida had a uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a state uh, state deal well actually it wasn't a convention but it was kind of a state meeting and uh, I asked our our uh, state chair, if uh, if I could uh, speak you know, for for a few minutes, because it was uh, oh gosh, no, I can't. Th- Mike, uh, oh, the one guy that ran for president from from Washington, Mike. Uh, why can't I think of his last name? Help me out, Luke. Um, jingosian yeah. so, so he was there. I guess he's national director or some kind of deal at the. At the upper uh, management and he was there he was the principal speaker and he was outlining a few things so i was friends with the uh, with the one lady there and so they let me uh speak for a few minutes and i and i addressed the the issue um where they where i received a, as most all the libertarians had received an email from headquarters on who to focus on uh in the upcoming elections you know who, who to Try to convince to be libertarians, and they said, you know, go for the registered voters, people who do vote, forget about everybody else. So I gave a little counterpoint to that, and uh, I think it kind of went over well with the people in the audience, but it didn't go over very well with Jengozian. So, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be a candidate in 2012. It's probably, you know, at this point, probably not. I mean, Wayne uh, is out there running hard, and there'll probably be a few other people, you know, some from Previous years, but uh, uh-huh. it's just, it's 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 interesting to see if Wayne Wayne being the pre- presumptive uh, candidate, it'd be it would be. I wonder if I wonder if Kevin follows all of Wayne's stuff. I would th- I would think that he would, uh, if Kevin's following yeah, yeah. everything that that Wayne is saying. But he's got some he he's uh, he's prolific. I'll tell you that, but. He needs a set, he he needs, he needs sedative. He gets, he kind of gets out there, but anyway. So how how are things? You want to keep talking about? I I think this is great. I mean, I'll keep talking about the the Ohio Libertarian Party if you want to, if you want if you got more to, to say. I think that's really great. I you know I had a lot of respect for Kevin. I thought he was he was a pretty straight up guy. Uh, well, let me, yeah. So let me ask you this. How do, how do you think 2012, you got any more idea how you think 2012 is going to shape up on the, on the national ticket level?
2: 2012 is going to be better thing this year and then and 2008 because um, I know Ohio is building their party. Other states like Indiana and Kentucky, they're building their parties, and uh, we just need to keep working. And Like in Ohio, we have 50 candidates or more what that means to the voters is well, they're going to see not just someone running for president. They're going to see people throughout the ballot. They're going to see that we're an actual viable party. And they're going to start supporting us more once once they see that. Then our numbers just going to increase and we're going to win some races. I think we're going to win some races this year. And that's that's really what I was going to
0: ask you. Ask you. I, it may be, it may be too, you know too early to ask, but You know, coming up this year in November, do you have some people that of those fifty who are running? Do you have any that you think are going to uh, that are going to win, or are you able to forecast that out yet? Um,
2: We haven't even filed petitions yet, but I think there are a couple races. I mean, last year, two thousand nine, was just local races, and we came close in a couple of those. I think we won even one of those races. So 2010, we're going to make a statement, and the the other two parties aren't going to be just playing around anymore. They're going to know that we're a real force, and I think we have several winnable races in Ohio this year. Well, that'd be great, I think. That'd that'd be be great. At least one race that we're going to get national attention, a U.S. congressional race that we're going to get national attention on.
0: Now, who do you have? Who do you have running as a Libertarian for Congress? What district?
2: Uh, I don't have that in front of me. I know we have um, probably about half the districts filled.
0: Now, um, um, are, are we guaranteed ballot access for all of these?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we sued the the state of Ohio last year with the in 2008 with the presidential campaign and we got ballot access and they continue that in 2009 and since the Ohio legislature didn't change the law that um, was basically struck down the secretary of state came out with the directive and said we have party way we have uh, ballot access as, uh, as well as uh, several of the other Parties like the Green Party, the Constitution Party, and Socialists, maybe some others, but we were the primary force behind that, and we are, in my opinion, the biggest third party and the only one that's really going to do anything that's worth a damn this year.
0: Well, you know, I, I I'm impressed, Luke. You know, I think it's great that uh, that you're. Uh, moving up in the in the party ranks in Ohio, you're you've always been uh, dedicated and uh, somebody that wants to to move the message forward, and I'm and I'm impressed. I think this is great. You know, I think that uh, 50 or 50 plus candidates on the ballot in in 2010, and uh, the the local strategy of bringing people uh, to to the attention on on a local level and even the state level, as opposed to uh, you know, the national level, I think it's very cool. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's nice to, to watch your, you know, your political uh, maturing and, uh, and doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm not, I'm not trying to butter you up or anything. Cause you know, I, you know, I know yeah. you're still an asshole, but <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm still an asshole, but I'm really impressed with what, with what you're doing. I think it's, I think it's really cool.
2: That, no no problem that helps that means a lot you know even the people on the top people running things and doing running all over who seem 100% for it they always need encouragement encouragement okay. <laughs> and that means a lot
0: well I, I'm glad it does man because you know I, I, I meant it in a, in a heartfelt way so um, it's almost 1030 man I'm going to I'm going to bolt on out of here but I want to thank you for for hanging in and waiting for me to finish uh, talking with Brian. And as always, Luke, it's, it's, it's great to, uh, it's great to talk to you and I appreciate the update on what's going on in Ohio. You're
2: welcome. Anytime. And thank you for your great show.
0: All right, man. Keep me in the loop. Okay. All right. See you later, Luke. Luke, Luke 420 (laughs) or 420 Luke. That's (laughs) what it is. (laughs) See you later, Luke. (laughs) Bye. Oh, well, that was my friend Luke out in, uh, he's in this week. He's out in, uh, in Oklahoma, <laughs> stuck in a hotel room in, during an ice storm. Luke McCullough, he's the uh, up-and-coming uh, rising star in the Libertarian Party of Ohio. Luke McCullough, everybody. So there you have it. We have another, uh, another show done. And uh, if you've hung with us this long, i certainly appreciate it. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to The Opium Den on, uh, on iTunes, and we have all of these shows available on demand uh, in archives. It takes us a few days sometimes to get the shows in, but we end up getting them in the archives, and they're all available. So thanks for hanging with us tonight, and we'll leave you with our motto here inside The Opium Den which is, when good people obey bad law, bad law never changes. Good night.